Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you for being with me today. I appreciate you coming. And listen, today's perspective comes from Trevor Hayes. He is a medical director and palliative care lead out in California. He is a member of Generation X. Trevor, thanks for being here. Absolutely, Rob. Thanks for having me. You bet. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare. Sure. Yeah, so um, my role as a family practice physician hasn't necessarily been the most traditional one. Um, I basically was a hospitalist for about 10 years and uh, got into the current uh, type of practice that I'm uh, in now, basically because I saw sort of a lot of gaps in, in what we're doing as in, in our hospitalist work. Um, I enjoyed being a hospitalist. I enjoyed sort of the camaraderie and working with specialists, but I felt like uh, some of our high-risk patients uh, were definitely getting great care in the hospital. Uh, but to be able to transport that care back home and actually put wheels on the, the care plans that we had designed, um, it wasn't working. And uh, the reasons necessarily weren't so much that they were um, medical deficiencies in our plan, but they were actually psychosocial. And so I think uh, this is what I enjoy with what I do now is not only do we hone in on the medical aspect of the care, but uh, the psychosocial and all the other determinants of health. Excellent. So it's very interesting that you say that. Uh, we had Melinda Awale on, who is a hospitalist, and he was talking about basically the hospitalist takes takes over for the family physician while, or your, your general practitioner while you're in the hospital. And you're mm-hmm. saying kind of you're looking at it from the opposite direction to say, okay, I was in the hospital and I'm seeing that when they go home, the care that they're getting is not fulfilling their needs. Can you Can you talk a little bit about the the way that care is delivered in your current system, because it's unique and different if I'm, if I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah, sure. So we try to make the care uh, very seamless. Um, so for instance, when you're in the hospital, that's like one silo where the care is being delivered. Um, it's delivered when you have the condition where you're in an acute phase of illness and typically you get stabilized. And then there is the Um, transfer back of that care to the primary care provider or to the specialist, which in in itself is sort of its own little silo. And then in between is what happens uh, in the home or in the nursing facility or the custodial care facility. And I think what um, our group is trying to do is to sort of sort of walk the care from the hospital uh, back to the primary care provider back to the specialist and also to, to determine why um, patients might be coming back into the hospital on a rotating frequent basis. Um, so it's a little bit different uh, mindset. It's trying to make the care kind of seamless. Okay. What does quality healthcare mean to you? Yeah, so th- there's a lot of different perspectives uh, on what quality is. And it really, I think, kind of focuses on on where you're at in the healthcare uh, ecosystem. Um, I think if you're a health plan, quality healthcare kind of means HCC codes, which um, 
I know you're going to ask me to explain uh, these acronyms, but basically it's a uh, scoring about how ill a patient is, which then determines about how much money uh, gets uh, forwarded um, or um, uh, basically given to the health plan for the care of that particular patient for a specific amount of time. Um, there's also quality metrics. Uh, so for instance, if you're a diabetic, um, the hemoglobin A1C is something that they look at and uh, they want to make sure that they're um, at a certain goal, which then to the health plan basically says that, you know, this patient is uh, under control or getting managed well. Um, so that's from the health can uh, plan perspective, uh, very, very business, very operational, heavy in terms of the quality. Um, they're looking to make things inefficient, excuse me, efficient. <laughs> Sometimes it seems inefficient. Um, a little bit of a Freudian slip there, but uh, um, but basically that's from the perspective of the you know the health plan. You know, I think um, for the patient, which is what I'm most focused on, um, and I think obviously we should all be focused on, um, is really understanding what their own personal goals are for their care, um, and sort of you know trying to meet those needs. And I think that that was pretty powerfully demonstrated to me um, when I started working with my current group. Uh, when I started working with uh, the few homeless patients that we have. So for them, quality care isn't so much getting to the best specialist in Beverly Hills per se, but it's really making sure that they have a place to stay and that they have a place to uh, eat. Um, and uh, it isn't until we sort of address those needs that then we can start focusing on their insulin and you know how much it costs and, and uh, their access to it and how are they taking it. And it's surprising um, when I was a hospitalist how much I would dump on a patient and expect them to understand and expect them to learn. And even the basic things like using a, an inhaler if you're a COPD patient or being able to understand that the patient is actually giving themselves insulin correctly um, is a big thing. And another thing that we don't really think about is sort of needle phobia. So people are quite afraid of needles and um, so understanding the anxiety that goes behind checking your blood sugar. And unfortunately, a lot of these patients get labeled as quote unquote non-compliant, mm -hmm. which really we haven't sort of explored kind of why um, they're not taking their insulin because there's usually reasons that they're not going to tell you. So quality for patients, I think really um, focuses on their own personal goals of care. If you have a cancer patient basically who has stage four illness a lot of times their goals of care really isn't to do aggressive therapies um, or to be in and out of the hospital at the last three months of their lives. They really want to be with their family. Hmm. Uh, they really want to be able to walk their daughter, daughter down the aisle uh, at their wedding. Um, so understanding those goals, I think, um, really helps us to provide goals of care um, and quality care uh, for patients. Um, and I think the last thing I would say is... Um, one of the things I had a difficult time uh, early on in my career reconciling is the fact that you have to have a good business uh, model that makes sense and a good operational model to be able to deliver that care. Um, but you also have to balance that with the patient and themselves. Like, you know, what are they really interested in? Uh, what are their goals for care? What is most important to them? And uh, really, you can't have one without the other. So I can't deliver good care if I don't have a good business model that's sustainable or that business model is not going to work if I'm not understanding uh, what's important to the patient and how I can give them the best care possible. Excellent. You've, 
you've already answered this question in some ways, but it's on the list. So uh, can you give me an example of quality healthcare? And you've, you've given me a couple examples. And if you care to elaborate on those or give me other examples, I, whichever way you go, I appreciate it. Sure. Um, well, I think in my current um, position, what we're doing a lot is trying to maximize the benefits that patients already have. Um, so we work with uh, some large uh, medical uh, groups and insurance companies out here in California. And a lot of patients are not really aware of the benefits that they have um, through their insurance company. And so that's where we come in to try to you know, educate them on those benefits and to maximize the um, benefits that they already have. So a concrete example might be a, uh, a dialysis patient who has dialysis three times a week. Uh, they live maybe in South Central Los Angeles, which is maybe resource poor. Um, and uh, they, don't under, they don't realize that they actually have transportation benefits um, to the dialysis center. Mm. And so, um, you know, getting our social worker in there and getting them to understand that they do have benefits and that they can go to dialysis really helps to keep them out of the hospital. And I think it gives them a sense of, you know, control over their, you know, particular, you know, uh, clinical situation. Um, so that's just a, maybe a small example, but it's really just bridging the gap. Yeah. It, it makes so much sense because what you're talking about is as they, those benefits, the insurance company is much happier to pay out, um, pay for small benefits, like getting someone to dialysis and getting, and getting them quality care in that way, as opposed to, to um, saving money by not paying for that transportation and eventually having to pay for, you know, advanced treatment for kidney failure. Right. And, okay. Right. Uh, what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, healthcare has become so incredibly complex with so many different layers uh, so many nuances um, that it's really hard um, to understand everybody's role. Um, I will say that I'm also coming from a place of not understanding um, some of the other roles uh, in healthcare. Um, but I think what is important for, um, or I wish that, you know, maybe the primary care providers or the IPA groups um, in our area sort of understood is sort of what we're trying to do. So, you know, we really are trying to drive the patient back into the primary care provider's office rather than take these patients away from them. So sometimes there can be a little bit of a turf war uh, that's perceived. Um, but I do think that once they understand that we are actually trying to increase um, the touches that they have with patients and trying to sort of um, take them from that place of despair where they think they can't get any help and they're not going to reach out to their specialist or their primary care and start getting them plugged back in. Um, I think that that is something that, you know, it's a perception that we'd like to change. Um, and there's many that I could go on, but I know you only have a limited amount of time here. No, no worries at all. And, and that really, I appreciate your, you sharing that because um, one of the goals of the podcast is for medical professionals to have a greater understanding of their colleagues and a greater appreciation for the work that their colleagues do and how they can work together. And, and I think that 
I'm you being willing to share that I, it, it's spot on and I, and I appreciate it. What excites you about the future of healthcare? Yeah. I mean, actually I am, I actually am quite excited about healthcare. Um, I do speak to physicians a lot and other healthcare providers that um, are a little bit uh, pessimistic about uh, the healthcare that we have. Um, I think, you know, we do have excellent care here. Um, I think our, in the United States, I think our issue really is um, making it portable and getting it uh, to everybody and being able to get each entity within healthcare uh, to talk to each other and to be able to work together. Um, what I'm ex really excited about as, um, and I'm going to use a term that I'm not sure is uh, out there, but it, I think it gets the point across, but as we uh, Amazonize everything, as everything gets, you know, brought to the home, um, I think you're going to see healthcare come more uh, and more into the home. Um, there's a lot of things that we are able to do. We're doing x-rays, we're doing IV fluids in the home, even in our group. Um, we're doing EKGs in the home. Um, we do have the dream at some point, and other companies do as well, uh, to somehow get uh, dialysis into the home, which would be, you know, a major game changer for people. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more uh, things available uh, for patients um, that uh, are cancer patients undergoing therapy. Um, there's going to be a lot more ways that we can sort of keep them in the home, keep them away from um, places like the hospital where there's a lot of you know possible serious illnesses that they can contract while they're undergoing therapy. And so I just see really healthcare kind of moving back um, to the older days where the house call, you know, becomes the top um, and the clinic just becomes more of a side thing rather than the clinic kind of being the, the primary uh, place where care is delivered. Very interesting. Uh, maybe if you don't mind commenting on, you mentioned earlier the psychosocial aspect of medical care. And what do you see as the psychosocial implications of people receiving care in their homes as opposed to having to, to go out to the clinic for that? Yeah, I mean, I think there is something that has become very real to me as I've, you know, been with this current company for three, three and a half years, um, is people feel respected. Instead of myself as a provider triaging and saying, I need to tell you when you can come into the clinic, we're flipping on, it on its head and the patient is saying, I need to see you and I need your help. Um, and understanding that. So I don't no longer have to tell a patient that I'm going to see you in October when really you want and need to be seen now. Um, the cynical provider uh, can say and snicker that, hey, this patient's just anxious, but really anxiety is what drives people into the home when they feel, uh, sorry, into the hospital, uh, when they feel like they are out of control and really just holding the hand of somebody who has asthma and maybe give them a treatment, even though they can give them the treatment, give the treatment themselves, but also just reassuring them by, you know, checking their pulse oximeter, checking their blood pressure, the rest of their vital signs, saying, listen, I know you're going through a bad time, but I think we can take care of this. And I know we can take care of this in the home. And the nurse calls the next day to find out how things go or are going. I think it sort of uh, gives patients a little bit more control rather than saying, okay, I can only see you three months from now because I'm backed up. Yeah. I, it's very interesting. I think that 
what you bring up in some ways is I think this pandemic has really brought to the fore the fact that this is not just about the physical aspects of what COVID does to the body physically, and mm -hmm. that is definitely an issue, but there's also the, um, the psychological impact of the anxiety that goes with uh, the fear of getting COVID, and then when you have it, the anxiety of how is this going to affect me long-term, how does this affect my employment, how do all of those things, uh, it becomes a, a much much more holistic approach to understand it's not just the physical nature of it, it's all right. of it altogether. Yeah. What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Um, that's a great question. And I, 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 I think that people, I think most medical providers are quite comfortable in delivering the actual hard, you know, clinical medicine. I don't think there's really an issue in sort of understanding what are, you know, the best evidence-based guidelines um, for diabetes, for instance, or congestive heart failure. That's, that's really not the hard part of medicine, but I think if providers can understand that that particular illness throws the complete um, mental status of a patient out of control, um, where uh, people who are going to work and uh, earning a living for their families um, every day. They're going through the routines, they're raising their families, they're paying their taxes, um, suddenly have this sort of chronic illness or medical event, you know, thrust into their lives. And I think understanding the fallout from that really sometimes helps to contain um, the whole um, illness for the patient. And I think probably has better clinical outcomes when you're less anxious, you're able to actually focus and, you know, look at the, um, the illness for what it is and to be able to um, address it, you know, appropriately rather than sort of reacting. And I think when people feel a sense of control, which, you know, when you're ill, you feel completely out of control. Um, when people get more of a sense of control, um, they tend to make better decisions. So I think for you know, medical professionals understanding that not only is there the mental aspect of someone's illness, but then there's also the social aspect as well, where someone who has a list of uh, 50, well, not 50, but maybe 25 medications on their list, and they're not sure what to take or when to take, and you sprinkle a little bit of dementia in there, mm. they really need a caregiver uh, who's neutral, maybe in the family, um, who can help to administer those medications and really help to decrease the amount of times that they're in the hospital. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, when I'm doing keynotes, um, I have stressed to medical professionals, the fact that the medical profession exists to allow people to live their life, um, you know, as fully as possible. And it allows, you know, either allows people to get back to what they were doing if they're experiencing an illness um, or, um, if they're experiencing some kind of limitation, it allows people to continue as fully as possible. But whatever it is, the, the medical professional, uh, the medical profession is there to facilitate people living their lives, which is great. Trevor, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode.
If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.